Welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Joining us to talk about his new company and the groundbreaking future of intelligent pixels and dynamic imaging is CEO of Riff, Roy Taylor. How you doing, Roy? Doing well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. So can we just start at ground level and have you tell us a little bit about Riff? Well, first of all, I should explain that you're the first person uh, for us to ever speak publicly about the company to. Um, so, uh, so that's exciting. Um, yeah, definitely. We appreciate that, uh, <laughs> that heads up. Well, you're very welcome. So, uh, so Riff is a brand new company designed uh, to make pixels intelligent. Uh, and so far, images are effectively uh, analog, even though they may be created digitally. At some point, they get squished down into flat video or to flat images. And then ironically, uh, we have new industries emerging using AI, uh, which then deconstructs the flattened video. Uh, which didn't necessarily needed to be flattened in the first place if you think about image in a different way. So, uh, so Riff is, a, as I say, is a new company with a, a set of people that have an insight that there's just a different way to think about image. Right. So, Roy, can you elaborate a little bit and tell us what you mean by making pixels intelligent? Yes. Um, once you make a, an image, if you add uh, data to pieces of an image, uh, then we they then become what we call a media element. So what looks like a teapot to the artist that uh, that, that drew it, and looks like a teapot to the the viewer looking at it, to us is actually a data construct. And once you, know, you have data, then you can actually uh, start to program it and use it and manipulate it in, in new and different ways. So then, what would be the uh, market application for something like this? Well, once you dataize the image. Uh, you can do extraordinary things. It's a, it's an, it's an enormous insight because uh, we are surrounded by images and uh, we literally look at trillions and trillions of pixels all around the world. Um, and all of those images are effectively dumb. I mean, they might be turned into hotspots, but they're effectively flat. Uh, once they're not, once they're data, you can change them. I mean, today we think about data as being programmable automatically. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, so intuitive that we don't even think about it that way anymore. Uh, but we, uh, we don't think about image that way because we don't see it that way. We just see images as images. I mean, for example, I'm looking at the market scale website right now, um, and I'm looking at uh, the, uh, the Pro AV, the building management, education technology. You have a beautiful image. It looks like a downtown New York and a camera. But those images are all flat. They can't, you can't do anything with them instinctively. Uh, you can overlay them, perhaps or you can animate them, but they're not instinctively or naturally changeable. Uh, but they could be. So then to try to contextualize this, is there a, a natural predecessor to this kind of idea? There isn't one. It's a, it's a completely new way of thinking about uh, images. So then where does an idea like this spawn from? Uh, it's an insight based uh, on thinking about, uh, I mean, my, I, I have a, sorry, let me take a step back. I've spent my whole life working in 3D and video games and game engines. And the, uh, the guys that I'm working with in the company have spent their whole lives working uh, with images. Uh, between us, we cover uh, games, film, television, uh, digital art, advertising. And uh, we've all had a long time to think about image and to work in images and to work in the mediums that, that use them. And uh, so that, that time spent thinking about it uh, has allowed us to kind of come up with this new insight. So this seems like a very dynamic and, and broad piece of tech. 
Is there a specific industry or a specific piece of medium that you think this will benefit? If you wanted to uh, change something uh, after the fact or during the fact, then that would be of interest to you. Uh, if you wanted to, uh, for example, change uh, a one actor to another, if you wanted to change something based on context or environment or market, if you wanted to change something to make it suitable for the Middle East, or if you wanted to make something which was uh, maybe sexier or more exciting for some markets, or maybe t uh, tone it down a little bit for others. Uh, I'll give an example of one of the uh, techniques that's, uh, that's used in film which is uh, and television, which is colorization. Uh, so what will happen is, depending on where the, uh, the, the, the content's being shown, they'll change the hue. Sometimes they'll do that uh, for localization or just to uh, enhance the image based on how they think the viewers in a particular market will prefer it. Sometimes they do it for a dramatic effect. So, for example, in the show uh, The Americans, uh, every time the scenes went to Russia, they used to kind of like a, a blue hue and made the scenes look cold. And then when they went back to America, they kind of used like a, a brown and warm hues to make it look warmer and, and sunnier. Well, that's just a hue. Um, but once you can actually uh, drive every pixel on the screen, you could change anything dynamically that way. You could change a product that's in a scene. You could change the mood that's in a scene. Uh, two people could watch the same movie and have a slightly different experience. Uh, you could maybe have recently broken up with your partner and feel sad, so you could watch that film, The Holiday, and see chocolates in a scene and maybe have a more ambient, kind of slowly, more downbeat music. Or you could have recently met the uh, person of your dreams and therefore you want slightly more upbeat music and maybe Tiffany's boxes at the scene. So... Um, or you might want to remove a, a moustache from someone that shouldn't have it there, uh, as has happened with uh, an actor recently who was working on two films at once. Or you may want to do any, any number of different things. So uh, basically, once you can manipulate images uh, live all the way through to the viewer, all kinds of things become possible. So is this something that needs to be programmed, or is this an, an active learning software? Uh, this is something we designed and developed in-house, and uh, we're not yet ready to tell the world about what it is that we've uh, we've invented. I see, I see. So then, what if you can if you can even speak to this? What do you think are some of the biggest obstacles with getting something like this to market? Uh, well, specific to us, uh, it turns out that the biggest obstacles are trying to manage the amount of interest. Uh, in general, uh, there are obstacles getting to market is getting through uh, getting through noise. You know, there are so many new inventions happening uh, today so quickly. And the, you know, the rate of innovation is actually speeding up. Uh, you know, from when Leonardo da Vinci invented the helicopter to when we had a helicopter, I think it took about 400 years. Uh, but from when Star Trek invented a smartphone to having a smartphone, it took about 20 or 30 years. Today, somebody can have an invention or an idea and using a 3D printer, turn it into a product almost instantaneously. But when everybody can do that, how on earth do you get attention? How do we find out which are the really great inventions and, and which, uh, which are the ones that maybe we should just uh, you know, step past? And the, uh, the problem is we tend to think that you know, the, the biggest and the best will naturally rise to the top. Uh, but I think that's not always true. 
and increasingly in the future, we're going to try, we're going to have to find ways to sift through and give uh, a voice to as many people as possible so we can hear them and find out uh, who's invented something really, really great. Because uh, more people are going to invent more things and they're going to do it at a faster rate. So I think that's one of the challenges we have coming up in a technology industry. So then from your point of view, how do you think we could fix this? What do you think are some things our industry could do to better highlight what needs to be highlighted? Well, uh, it's, it's a good question. And I actually, I like what you guys are doing at market scale. Um, before I answer that specifically, let me point out uh, another problem. Uh, it is almost pointless today to advertise a job. And it is almost pointless today to apply for a job that you see online. And the reason for that is if you're the employer advertising, you are going to be so completely inundated with literally hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of applicants that it's, uh, it's impossible to try and get through them. And yes, you can try and use AI and yes, you can use all kinds of intelligent software to sift through all the resumes and the letters. Um, but none of them really work very well. I mean, if you're so, if you're an employer, it's really difficult. And of course, if you're trying to find a job, forget about it. I mean, because you're just one more resume stuck through this AI grinding machine. So now apply that also to somebody that has an idea or an invention or an entrepreneur. If you try and market it in a traditional ways, so I think it's very, very difficult. So my advice is to uh, is to network, and is to build up as a bigger network as you can of people that could be helpful to you, who might be supportive of you, um, who might be able to give you a leg up, make introductions and so on. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's sad to say, but despite all the technology we have, uh, good old fashioned networking is the most important way, I believe, um, to get to market for a new idea, an invention, or even to find a job. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fascinating theory. So Roy, We've talked a little bit about some of the difficulties within the industry, but I'm curious, what, what got you involved in the industry and what's kept you here all these years? So what got me into it was, uh, was video games. I, I love video games and I was a big fan of Doom. And one day a friend called me up and said, uh, you must go out and buy a, a voodoo card from a company called 3DFX, uh, uh, which I did. I downloaded the, uh, the uh, patch for Doom and immediately knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Uh, you know, it's corny, but Winston Churchill said, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Well, I've never really worked a day in my life. I've, I've just always loved being in this industry. Um, and then the going from 3D and video games, and I, I was very fortunate. I was the founder of a company called NVIDIA in Europe at a really terrific time for 3D and video games, uh, 1998 and all through the 2000s. And then from working in the video game industry, I got a chance to move to Hollywood and work in 3D in film and television at a time when 3D was just starting to break out, uh, both for good and bad reasons. Um, and so I was very heavily involved in all of that. And then VR came along, and, uh, and that was really, really exciting. And now we have AR. So, uh, so what got me into this was uh, the love of invention and the love of telling stories with technology. And what keeps me in it is, is exactly the same thing. I've been doing it a long time now, um, but I'm still, I still have the thrill of seeing something completely new come to life. That just never, that just never gets up. Right, right. Like we, we're, we're so lucky that at the moment we start to get comfortable or I guess complacent with what's going on, something new comes along. So 
I think that's it's it's fascinating that this is this is one of the quickest uh, changing and, and and evolving industries. Yes, it is. It is, and if you never lose that thrill of seeing something new emerge, then uh, not only do you never actually work, but you also don't get old. <laughs> and uh, somebody who's been doing this a long time, that's also very exciting to me. So, Roy, I have one more question for you. Sure. And we can base this on your previous experience in, in the industry or with what you're doing now with Riff, but what do you see on the horizon? What's got you excited? What are you looking forward to and what are you not looking forward to? Uh, I'm really excited about AI. Um, and the reason I'm excited about AI is because of what I call the, the learning of learning. You know, it, it used to be that uh, the way that we, we made advances was that every now and then someone really, really brilliant would come along and have a, an, a eureka moment. Uh, whether that was, you know, Sir, Sir Isaac Newton or it was a, a Mozart or, or whoever else or, um, or an Einstein, etc. But today, we don't have to necessarily rely on those brilliant people, although they'll continue, I'm sure, I hope, to come along. Because what AI will do is it will ask so many questions at such a rate that it will start to learn about what it is that we need to learn. And that, I think, is, is really, really different and very, very exciting. We will start to be able to answer questions that we never thought could be answered because we couldn't imagine the intelligence that would be necessary to answer them. So, for example, there is no doubt in my mind whatsoever we will learn how to travel through space massive, massive distances um, in ways that are just literally quite unimaginable. We cannot imagine how that could be possible today, but I, but I think that we will learn, and I think that's really, really exciting. Uh, on the other hand, um, I'm very concerned that uh, unchecked and unregulated AI in the, uh, in the hands of, uh, of those that perhaps shouldn't have the power um, can be used in, uh, in, in really, really negative ways. And that bothers me. Yeah, no, of course. Well, Roy, thank you so much for joining us. I, I appreciate your time. And, and again, thank you for you know, sitting down and talking about Rift. Thank you. And keep up the good work at Market Scale, guys. You guys are doing a great job. Appreciate it, Roy. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.